Hello. I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it, it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before and this is such a pleasure. <laughs> I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Hello, I'm Emma McQueen, and welcome to Tea with the Queen. That was part of a famous speech Martin Luther King Jr. gave at the height of the civil rights movement in Washington more than 50 years ago. It illustrates how powerful words can be. My guest today knows only too well how the right words can be used to entice the listener or reader to learn and to be inspired. Claire Dowler is an author, journalist and copywriter. She helps businesses make a bigger impact with their own printed words. You'll hear how that is shortly. And you'll also hear her discuss with me ChatGPT and what impact it's having on the way we use words. Claire, welcome to Tea with the Queen. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be having tea with the Queen. I know. How cool is it? (laughs) I'm going to jump straight in and ask you, what is it about words that you like? There's honestly so much I could say to just this question. There's a quote by Roy Williams, who's an American author, and I think he has it spot on. Um, And he says that words start wars and end them, create love and choke it. Bring us to laughter and joy and tears. Words cause men and women to willingly risk their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honour. Our world, as we know it, revolves on the power of words. And I did have that written down. That's not something that I know off the top of my head, but it's just a quote that I love and that sticks with me because that for me, it, it embodies what I do. I just believe that words have the power to inspire and persuade and evoke and they provide the catalyst for change. And if you think of the most impactful people in history, most of them are known to have had a, at least a well, a few well-chosen words. You know, there's Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream. There's JFK's inauguration address where he says, ask not what your country can do for you. And everyone can finish that quote because it's just, it's one of those things that stick with you. And there's also Queen Elizabeth I, because I have to mention a woman, um, that she says, I have the body, although it's not the best one, but I have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king. Not the best example of feminism, but, you know, symptom of the time. We work with, you know, we take the progress so we can get it. And I think in a lot of ways we take words for granted, but there's nothing more powerful or more influential, I think, than the right words. That's so beautiful. (laughs) I I haven't thought about words like that, but I guess you're right in so many ways. You know, you think about all of the famous people in history and even celebrities now and the type of words that they use and what that actually means. I do love that quote. 
Look, most people are quite satisfied with gaining one degree from university, but one wasn't enough for you. What did you do? (laughs) You know, I think I had a combination of high achiever syndrome and also a fear of decision making. I have always had trouble putting myself into one basket sort of thing. And I ended up doing that two degrees, one in journalism, one in media and communications. I always loved writing and quite a few people in my early teens told me that they could see me as a reporter. And it was definitely something that I was interested in, but I was also worried about what career paths a degree in journalism would prepare me for. You know, if I, if I were not a journalist, then what is there? Uh, so alongside my journalism degree, I did the Bachelor of Media Communications, majoring in international communication. And this was a a safeguard if I decided or if I didn't go ahead with journalism, then this was a a more corporate aspect to a writing career, I guess. And I was was hedging my bets in a way, but I really think that that dual degree approach meant that I walked away with a really holistic skill set. You know, I, I can see the story in something, I can interview, I love getting to the bottom of a story, but I can also work the business aspect and write towards a, a purpose or a business goal. Those degrees were worth it though, weren't they? You've worked with some pretty impressive organisations over the years. I'm honestly amazed and humbled at, at some of the opportunities and experiences that I've had In a a previous role, I curated national knowledge sharing events and content was obviously a really big part of that. But the challenge was often finding the star of the show, so to speak. And so I was reaching out to the most influential people in the respective area. And um, some of the people that I got to work with, there's Deborah Urbanski, who is the director of the Office of Diversity and Opportunity at NASA's Johnson Space Centre. Whoa, that's cool. was very cool. Um, there was Catherine Johnson, the special assistant to President Barack Obama. Of course. Uh, <laughs> have to have Obama in there. Um, and thankfully that was pre-Trump. There was Kate Marley, uh, who was the advisor to UK Prime Minister David Cameron. All of them, I was so just excited, humbled, but it also made the world like that much closer. You know, it sort of, it showed me that you just have to ask the question. You know, I think that a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm going to stick in my lane. I'm not there yet. But, you know, the worst answer is always going to be no. So you may as well ask and you may as well put yourself out there. And um, I also can't not mention um, having interviewed RJ Mitty, um, who plays Walter Jr. in Breaking Bad. And that was a really cool experience as well. Um, I hadn't watched Breaking Bad at the time. And it was a quite an experience because it was on the streets of Wollongong. And obviously everyone else was watching Breaking Bad at the time. And it was interviewing him while he was just being flocked with women, mostly women, coming up wanting a photo, wanting this, wanting that. And I felt like a true member of the press that day. So yeah, I mean, those are a few of the organisations and people that that I've been lucky to work with. But I guess I have to mention that like now I'm, I have my own copywriting business and I feel like no matter who approaches me, I'm always excited. I always have a profound respect for the business that comes to me and wants to work with me. I think it's a really big deal to be trusted with the voice and the messaging of, you know, how a business wants to portray themselves. So when I tell clients that I'm excited to work with them, you know, I I always mean it. Every business is impressive. If it's still here, that's impressive. If you gave it a go, that's impressive. Um, So basically I am your biggest fan girl and that's what people can expect (laughs) when they reach out. (laughs) Oh, that's delightful. That's delightful. I do also note that all the people that you've just mentioned are women except one, which makes me very happy. (laughs) Except one of them. Absolutely. I um, No, that was something I was always very conscious to do. I think that if you've got the opportunity to give someone a spotlight, 
look for the people that need it. Like, I'm not saying that those women didn't deserve it, but I think it's important to give people the microphone when you can. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And you've published some works of fiction as well? I have. Anyone would think I liked writing. So I, I've published two books. Uh, before COVID, I was working full-time in Sydney. And even though I'd started a few books over the years, I'd always have, wanted to have one published, but demand of full-time work coupled with the commute, trying to stay sane, I had very little time left myself. But when COVID happened, I was stood down. I lost my full-time job, but I was fortunate to have some friends help me with some casual employment. And I, I kind of think that the way that people handled that stage of our lives tells you a lot about the person. And, and I completely panicked. I'm <laughs> not um, not as bad as I'm sure you're not alone, right? Yeah, I, I think I was one of the ones that panicked. Uh, I'm not someone that does well without a plan. But um, once the, the shock had worn off, I guess, I, I realized I'd been given time back. And so during the lockdowns, I committed to writing my first book and I also started my business soon after that. Um, so I, I soon saw it as an opportunity and I think a lot of people have, have realised the blessings that we've gotten as a result of that lockdown or many multiple lockdowns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so my first book, Incendiary, is a fantasy that was released at the start of last year. Um, I will give it a plug while I have the opportunity. It's, um, yeah, absolutely. It's an, it's an alternate history uh, about what life might have been like if religion and faith had been illegal. Um, and so it follows, yeah, it was, I, you know, it's just, it was one of those thoughts that wouldn't leave my head. I was just, I was thinking about how a lot of wars and violence and that kind of thing stem as a result of, you know, of religion and faith. And I was just wondering, you know, what would happen if it was made completely illegal? People weren't allowed to worship, people weren't allowed to do this. And so um, it follows the story of a psychic seer who can talk to spirits and the government wants her dead, basically, because she's proof that an afterlife exists. So um, it's a quirky one, but it's just something that I wanted to explore. And later last year, I released Whispers in the Walls, which is a thriller. And a, a newly married couple is on their honeymoon when she's in a boating accident and breaks her leg. They can't afford the mortgage without her working. So they move into a rental on the fringe of a country town. And she's stuck in that house every day and strange things start happening. And at first she thinks it's a ghost, but it turns out to be something a little bit more sinister. Whoa, that's so <laughs> cool. That is so cool. So fascinating to hear about your fiction work. But tell us, what are you doing these days? Writing is what takes up most of my waking hours. My work days, though, are dedicated to copywriting, helping other people and businesses get their messages out there. I get to work with some really inspiring business owners and individuals from all kinds of businesses. How important is good copy for business? Is it more than just SEO? You can't expect me to say it's not important. Good copy is incredibly important for businesses because it can really make or break a brand success. You know, copy is not just optimizing for search engines. It's about creating content that resonates with your target audience. It builds trust. It provides catalyst uh, for them to take action. Um, and there's this study that's released every year. And I think it's called the LinkedIn Edelman study. Um, and it's a B2B thought leadership study with business owners. And a couple of years ago, it found that the majority of decision makers said that less than half of the content out there, they felt that it didn't provide any sort of valuable insight. It's so easy to create content now that we're flooded with it. There's so much content out there, but very little of it is valuable. 
a lot of business owners have kind of been programmed like, oh, I've just got to get content out there. I've just got to put something up so that people know I exist. Like, hey, it's me. It's their kind of thing. And I'll just sit down and blog out my thoughts and I'll just post that and that's good enough. But we can't expect to have a, a significant impact if we're just creating content for the sake of content. Time is our only finite resource. It's the only thing that we can't get back or make more of yet. And when we have to wait in long queues, you know, it's annoying. When we get to the end of a TV series and the finale sucks, it's, we're disappointed. When someone forgets an appointment and that we're kept waiting, it can be upsetting. And that's because we're aware of how valuable our time is. You know, I could have been doing X, Y, Z, and instead I've been waiting for this person that no-showed. And the same applies to content. People don't have the time for it to be wasted. They might remember you, but for the wrong reasons. But if you provide something of value, even better in an engaging and succinct way, their opinion of you and your brand will be elevated. And in that same study, uh, the majority of respondents actually said that uh, thought leadership had positively changed the way that they'd seen a brand. And they thought that thought leadership was a better way of assessing a vendor than the marketing material that they were putting out there. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? How do they distinguish thought leadership? How do you distinguish thought leadership from other copy? There's two different types of content that you can look at, and that's product or like sponsored content. Um, and then you've got a thought leadership piece. And thought leadership does exactly what it sounds like it does. It's your opportunity to say, this is everything that I know, and this is value that I'm giving to you for free. So rather than a, a product piece where it's like a list of features and benefits, a thought leadership piece is an opportunity for you to position yourself as a leader in your space. Because it, it's authentic, it's genuine, it's the way usually that, that you feel about a topic. This sounds stupid. People are humans. We, we resonate with being spoken to like a human. And when you take the time to do that, it can be really beneficial. It's a great segue into my one of my final questions. What do you know about ChatGPT? And is that going to change the way we communicate, do you think? I can't believe you said the C word. Um <laughs> <laughs> Typical copywriter to say that. <laughs> ChatGPT really came out of nowhere. The first that I heard about it was on a job board on Facebook and someone was looking for a writer to edit AI-generated content. And this was the first time I'd seen something like that. I assumed it would be pure drivel and I was wrong. I severely underestimated its capabilities. When I looked at the samples that this person sent me, they really made me stop and go, hang on. ChatGPT and generative AI in general has the potential to be hugely disruptive. And I think that everyone knows that we're only at the very surface of realizing what it can do. But I think that a lot of people were surprised that the first industries that we've seen something this disruptive happen is in the creative industries. It was at least my thought that we'd first see it in places like manufacturing or technical professions because those repetitive tasks lend themselves a bit more to automation. So I think everyone was surprised that it has redefined the creative industries in a relatively short amount of time. Something I find really interesting is that in one of the earlier versions of ChatGPT, they wanted to see if it would have the ability to expand its own capabilities. And to do this, their research program gave ChatGP a, a certain amount of money. I don't know how they did that, but it gave it a small amount of money to work with and set it off to expand itself. I'm, I'm not sure of like the exact parameters of the project, but um, evidently it ran into some problems when they were doing capture tests because it's a robot. It can't pass the capture test. 
And so it couldn't verify it was human. So it hired a worker over TaskRabbit to solve the capture test for it. So ChatGPT told the person that it had a vision impairment. The, the person says, oh, you're not, a, you're not a robot, are you? Sort of, you know, ha-ha, laughy face. And it said, oh, no, 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 I'm a person. I've just got a vision impairment, and so I need to hire this, outsource this task, basically. So will generative AI change the way that we live and work? Absolutely. At the moment, though, I think it's more of a tool. The copywriters I know are using it for research because it, it's able to consolidate a lot of information very quickly. You know, if you have an answer for it, it will spit out an answer in relatively short order. I will mention it's everything. It's kind of use it with a grain of salt at the moment because everything is obviously limited to pre-2021, I think it is. And so if you ask it about world trends, it still thinks that COVID is a very big deal. Oh, that's interesting to know. I did not know that about ChatGPT. Well, that's the current version, and I assume that's going to be fixed in in later versions, and possibly if they release a, a subscription version or a paid version, or you know, they will obviously find a way to monetize it. And for those listening that may not know what the capture test is, can you explain that? Oh, so that's when you go on to you try to access a website, and it says, "Please verify that you're human." What are the characters in this little box? Click on all the images with the traffic light. And then you panic because there's a traffic light that's just a fraction over one of the other squares. You go, do I check that square? Do I not? Um, but yeah, capture tests are just the human verification method that a lot of a lot of websites use. Look, I think ChatGPT. I mean, we use it. I don't use it to write my copy, but what I have found when playing with it, because I've got a lot of clients that do use it, and what I've found is the better the questions you ask, <laughs> the better the copy that comes back. But I also know that it will make a big difference for small business owners who are trying to do all the things and wear all the hats. And I encourage my clients to use it with discretion, right? Because I think sometimes people jump on a, on a trend. This isn't going away, but also it doesn't mean you have to put crap content out there either. You know, like just use it in a way that gets the best out of it, but also nuances it to you enough so that you aren't sitting there putting out content that sounds like a robot. Yeah, I think it would be remiss to pretend that it's not there. You know, it's a a game-changing tool and the people that don't use it or at least become comfortable with it are going to be left behind and have to catch up at some point. And something that I found interesting about ChatGPT is that you can teach it. So you can have a few different chats open with ChatGPT and you can dedicate each of them to a particular topic. So if you were generating, you know, content for your business and you ask it to create an about you page, spit something out, you can give it feedback and say, okay, that's great. It's a little bit formal though. Let's make it a bit more conversational. And then we could say, okay, great. Can we inject some humor now? Can we do this? But then it will remember that tone. So if you come back to it later and you, you open the same chat window, it will remember the tone that you want to speak with. So it is something that you can train and that you can work with. It is important to note that there are tools that can detect AI content. And if you do choose to use ChatGPT, it is super important that you edit it. Always go over it and give it your same flavor, your same flair. I think that it has the potential to put people offside if they do run it through a tool like this and they say, oh, you've just used ChatGPT to write this. You know, it's not actually you. It's not. So there's a risk there about authenticity and even the legalities, like who owns the content created by ChatGPT? Like I think that's a whole barrel of worms. 
Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I, I haven't tried this myself, but I heard that you can copy your content from, let's say, your website or other copy that you've done, stick it in, you know, like when we're saying, we're talking about teaching ChatGPT, stick it in. So you ask ChatGPT a question. I'm going to say it's a girl because she's smart. So you ask her a question, you put in the content, and then you copy and paste some of your own and talk about this is the tone of voice I want. And then it learns that as well, just like you were saying. But I didn't realize that you could just copy chunks of your own work and put it in there to give it that flavor. Yeah, it can. You can ask it to edit something. So this is this is what I've got at the moment. Can you insert this for some, you know, some extra information on whatever you need sort of thing? It's like you said earlier, I think it's really about asking the right questions. And we're just at the surface of realizing how to use it and how we can get the full value from it. Absolutely. What mistakes do you see businesses make with their own do-it-themselves copy? I get a lot of newsletters and content via email. And even though I'm quite selective with who I choose to subscribe to, I only subscribe to the people that, that I want to learn from, that I find inspiring. A lot of the time their content still makes me cringe. And it's not because of their message. It's not. I still think that what they're, they're saying is incredibly valuable. But I find it shocking that they don't run their content through a proofreader the most successful entrepreneurs and CEOs. And I don't know if they think that that sort of gives them a ticket to be able to get away with not proofreading or like copy editing or whatever. But Grammarly is a plugin on Chrome anyway, and it will tell you if there are spelling mistakes, if there are grammar errors, if something doesn't read the right way. But when you put out something that's unedited, it doesn't portray your business professionally. It looks like you sent out something that was half-baked. And if you've done that with your business, then why should they trust you with theirs? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. But also, could you just read it out loud and see if it makes sense? Like, it's actually not that hard. It's not. It's not. Grammar can be complicated. Grammar can be hard, especially for people that might have learned English as a second language. It is an incredible triumph in itself. You know, I wish I was fluent in another language and I will always have immense respect for those people. So, um, yes, you can read it out loud. That's a great way to hear how it sounds to another person making sure the flow, the rhythm's there. That's something that I I still do with my work. I still read stuff back to myself because I want to hear how it sounds. But yeah, uh, I will always be an advocate of using a tool like like Grammarly or or a proofreader, someone just that can verify that that this apostrophe is correct, this comma's in the right place. I always get stung by that stuff. And the problem that I've got is I'm not a perfectionist. So I'm like, oh, 70% is good enough. (laughs) And you kind of go, Hopefully my audience just kind of gets that and, you know, moves on. But I also know copywriters don't love that so much. (laughs) I guess, I mean, it does depend on your audience. And if you know your audience and they're more of a laid back crowd, then you know what? People, I'm I'm probably being too, too harsh. People will not forego your business because you missed a comma or something like that. But if it's, I think that as long as it's something within your power, then why not? Yes. But outside of that grammatical and the, the proofreading error, is that a lot of the time I see, well, they're usually business owners that are creating their content, but they they bury the benefit or they bury the why. And business, like they'll write these great product descriptions and they'll tell you all about this new service that they're releasing, but they don't tell the reader why they should care until the very end, if at all. Oh, so they should either bring it, like they should write it or they should bring that up in the bring content. That up. If, if you need that process, if you need to go through and like, tell me about the service, and then you find yourself at the end writing, and this will change your world because X, Y, Z, move that up, restructure it, lead with why the reader should care. And then you can explain it. You know, specs and, and technicalities are fine. 
And it, again, it depends on the content. If it's technology, then that, that sort of stuff needs to be there. But always read, lead with why the reader should care. Something that I took from journalism is that there's a name for this and I'm going to butcher it, but it's the when you run into a pub, and that's just what I'm going to call it today, when you run into a pub, something's happened, what's the first sentence you say? Like you've got a story to tell. They're all in there. They're all loud. They're all, you know, drinking and there's a game on the TV and that kind of thing. Are you going to say, so I was walking down the street today and <laughs> um, uh, the w- weather was lovely. Uh car went past me, very interesting. And then I saw this giant duck dressed in a tuxedo crossing the road. People wouldn't have been listening up until that point. But you start with that. You walk in and you say, I just saw a giant duck dressed in a tuxedo crossing the road. And you've got everyone's attention. So lead with what people would care about. Oh, I love that. That's a great tip. Yeah. If you go through the process, that's what I do. I saw, I I brain dump. I'm like, what's everything that I need to get out there? And then move your benefit up. And the last one that I'll just say very quickly is knowledge assumption. We all have the tendency to, especially when we are immersed in a particular topic or our our field of expertise every day, you know, we talk about it so much. It's just second nature to us, but we forget that other people don't have the same inherent knowledge. We forget that the average lay person might not have the basics that, that we sort of have. And when content is written at too high a level, or at least doesn't bring the the reader on that journey and tell a narrative, you risk cutting people off. You know, if you have to remember that content sort of needs to be written for the average person on the internet or for, for someone that might be receiving your email for the first time. If you read it back and you think, if I didn't know anything, would this make sense to me? Because otherwise you, you risk losing, you know, a, a potential part of your reader base. So people don't know what you know. You're very good at what you do. Everyone knows that you're good at what you do, but take the time, I guess, to to take people on that journey. Otherwise they might assume that your service just isn't for them. So good. Such good tips. And also I need to work on my grammar. Um, Thank you so much, Claire, for coming on Tea with Queen and sharing your wisdom with us. It's been amazing. And hopefully the tips at the end, people could go, yeah, okay, I could have another look at my copy or I could put Grammarly in as an extension, or I could get this copy edited, you know, like how do we just make it a wee bit better? Just a 1% better would be good. But thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Emma. No, it was really great chatting to you. Thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for the lovely tea. Tea with the Queen was absolutely fabulous. <laughs> and have a, a great rest of the week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tea with the Queen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to get the word out. For more about me, please visit emmamcqueen.com.au and I look forward to your company next episode. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.